Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. It says in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, starting at verse number 1, the New King James Version, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know, Fourth verse says, again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. What does that say? You shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you. And what does it say? Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Seventh verse says, so I prophesied and I was as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Also, he said unto me, prophesy to the breath, or in some translations, it says to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may, what does that word say? That they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they did what? And stood upon their feet and an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and what does it say? And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Now, the reason I took the time to read all of those verses is because it's not very often that we would read so many passages of Scripture in one setting. We usually take one verse or two verses out of context, and then we apply it to whatever it is that we're thinking or trying to communicate. Well, the Lord laid upon my heart to do something a little bit different in that I share the entire thought that God is trying to communicate to us, and it's quite obvious that God wants us to live. 
Not only does God want us to live, he used through the illustration of the dry bones that he illustrated even to the prophet Ezekiel that the bones represented the nation of Israel. They were the people of God who were cast off and disenfranchised. In fact, they were warriors who had died in battle. They were people who had been defending their faith in what they believed, who literally dried up and died or died and then dried up. Throughout the entire context of this, the word live shows up. The word live shows up in the third verse. The word live shows up in the fifth verse. The word live shows up in the sixth verse. The word live shows up in the ninth verse. The word live shows up in the tenth verse. The word live shows up in the fourteenth verse. So God is trying to say something to us, and it has everything to do with us living and not just being dead. And you say, well, what does that have to do with me? I've got a couple of principles that I'm going to share, and that'll be the foundation. God's plan for us gives us new life and also an opportunity to live. The Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, he's what kind of creature? Old things are passed away and, old, and all things have become new. That would include our life. Our life should be made new. Now, some of us would not be willing to admit it, but no matter how hard we've tried to serve God, to love God, and to do the right things, our old lives has a tendency to try to come back and haunt us. Our old lives try to come back and be a part of our current life, and therefore it literally inhibits us from living the fullness of our new life that we've been granted. Not promised, granted. We've been granted new life. If you've accepted Christ, you got a new life. You have a new life if you have Christ. Now, why is it that I still do the same thing that I used to do? Or why is it that I keep going back? Somebody shared with me a dream that the Lord showed them this past week. They showed them a sea, and as the waves entered the, the earth and crashed against the earth, there were faces that actually entered and came into that space. And then as they went out, the faces disappeared. And she said that the Lord revealed to her that those faces coming up, up against or coming into the earth would be the souls coming to the altar of God. And them going out faceless would be the people going out and still doing the exact same things that they did before they came to the altar. And like waves just being tossed back and forth. And so that inspired me to say, yeah, you know, that, that means that we got to do some praying. But in addition to praying, we've got to live. For some people, prayer is life. And for others... Some of us are praying to just live. So we've got to do some work as it relates to our faith because I don't believe that God called us to be saved just to come to church every so many days throughout the month. And then, you know, that's your life. You just got a church life. Jesus said that I am come that you might have life, not church, but that you might have it more abundantly. So it wouldn't matter if we had church seven days a week. It wouldn't matter if we had church 24 hours a day. Some of us have a long face and can't even handle just a few hours on Wednesday and a few hours on Sunday, and we got some hours left over. And so what I'm learning is that people need to be given the opportunity through observation that you were not called to just be here. You were called to live. You weren't called just to be alive because the tree is alive. These plants are alive. I took one of them out here today because it's struggling. It's having a hard time. I started to leave it here and use it as an illustration that you got three plants that are living and one of them that's just alive. Count three people next to you. One, two, three. Count the fourth one. Chances are that out of four people, three of them are living and one of them is just alive. What an illustration. You wonder, well, where do these things come from? Did I, did I put the plant there and let them die for the illustration? No. God revealed to me as I was removing the plant that that's how many of the saints are. They're right here in the house of God since Easter. 
because that's when we put them in there. Well, Palm Sunday, the Sunday before resurrection. And by the time we get to mid-year, June, the first week of June, they're like this. At first, I just grabbed it and clipped the dead leaves. And then I realized that more of the leaves were dead than alive. But you know what else I noticed? There was one leaf that was springing up and ready to just come forward and bloom. So I'm going to do what I can to put it in the plant hospital and see if we can get it to come back. Because you weren't made just to, to, to be alive. God made you to live. Well, what does that constitute? Here's the second observation that many people are alive, but they don't know how to live. I heard somebody say, I want to know how to live this life. I want to know how to be a man of God or a woman of God. I want to know how to read the Bible and understand the Bible. I want to know how to pray to God and something happens when I pray. I want to know how to be true to the values and the virtues that they're teaching me constantly over and over again. I want to know how to maintain the deliverance that I get on the altar. Are there any witnesses here tonight that want to know how to live? How to live. Because it's not living if you just come to the altar and you go back and you come to the altar and you go back and you come to the altar and you go back. You're alive, but you're not living. We have religion, but not a relationship and hardly any revelation. And if you get a revelation and don't do anything with it, what good is it? What good would it be for me to have all these hours of daylight and I never go outside until the sun sets? I never learned what it means to run in the sun, to enjoy the warmth of it, to appreciate the value of the vitamins that come from the sun. How many know there's vitamins in the sun? And if I never appreciate this life that I have, then I haven't lived. I'm not talking about playing hooky from church or pastor said live, so I'm taking off three weeks. That's not it at all, because if you do that, then you've missed the point. You've missed the element of life is not in the just in coming to church and going home or I'm going to take a great escape. That's not life. Life is knowing who you are, why you were put here and then carrying that out. In addition to fellowshipping and assembling ourselves together to become equipped and prepared to live. I come to church to learn how to live. I go outside the church to live the life that God has given me. I come to learn how to live. When I leave, I leave with the understanding that I'm living this life that God has given me. The last observation is that everyone desires to live, but few actually live. Now, if you were given the option of leaving here tonight, going into judgment or staying here and living, how many would vote for the latter? You, you, you'd rather live. How many would rather live? Just by the show of hands. I, I want to know, because if, you, if you're really ready to go on out of here, then we can, we can save a lot of money. We can just do the eulogy and stuff right here, right now, and, and then we'll say, see you on the other side. That sounds morbid, doesn't it? Just as ridiculous as it is for somebody to say that they have desires to live and they never go and do it. I want to see the world one day, but they never travel outside of um, these square miles called Grand Rapids or Kentwood or Wyoming. Isn't it amazing how there are so many people who have so many dreams and so many visions and so few of them actually accomplish those goals? 97% of people who establish goals, quote unquote, uh, have trouble achieving them. What happens to that 3%? How are they different? How is it that 3% of people who establish goals not only reach the goals, but they exceed them? That's almost like three people are alive. And the rest of us are what? Three people are living, the rest of us are simply alive. 
I really want to challenge you. And the whole purpose of the lesson is to get us to the point where our eyes are wide open to every single day. We have the opportunity to live, not to just be alive. And if we live according to the word of the Lord, we shall obtain eternal and everlasting life. But until then, what? The questions that we or the statements that we had before um, relate to the fact that there are many people who are alive, but they don't really live. Have you ever felt that way? What does it feel like? Trapped. Trapped inside of a life that's really not living. What does it feel like? Like a zombie. Alive but dead. Or not dead but not alive. Somewhere in between. Connection between living and hope. If we live, we're living based on the hope of Christ that's in the inside of us. He's the hope of glory. And as long as we're alive, there's hope. So really, in essence, as long as somebody is breathing, there's hope. They seem hopeless, but there's hope because if they can breathe, they can respond, they can talk in some kind of way, there's this opportunity for hope. And that's really what we're all about. We believe there is hope. And if I don't inspire you for anything else during this month, inspire yourself to think that I represent hope in the earth. I am hoping the earth. I know some of you, when I was going on a tirade about not living and not having a full life and, and being half empty or half full, you were thinking about yourself, but it's really about somebody else. What if somebody goes into judgment without you having told them how to live? Because we were so caught up on us not living because we walked into their hopelessness and just blew out the candle. Instead of bringing more light, we are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We've become the light of the world. So, so we represent hope and hope and, 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 and being live or living are connected. We literally have to recognize the fact that if God were to take all of his children out of the earth, this place would collapse. It would just crash and burn, literally. So since we're here, it doesn't make sense for us just to be alive. We need to live. And we need to live in a way that people can see that we are alive and go, wow, I want some of that. I want some of the life that they have. So ask yourself this question. Repeat it after me and say, can dry bones live? I want you to ponder that thought. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616 616- 974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nations Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals, families, and our communities, we believe there is hope.